This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. The thing that you can't overlook is how good they are. Mackey and Judd. They've been at the forefront. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackey and Judd. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. We have quick breaking news. A Woj bomb. Uh, the, the lesson here is, whether it's you or your wife, just don't have five burner accounts. Brian Colangelo out as GM of the 76ers. It's being framed as a resignation. So I'm guessing they went to him and said, dude. You you got two choices. You can either resign or we're going to fire you. And uh, so he gone. And Brett Brown, the coach, is going to oversee on an interim basis basketball operations because the draft is at the end of this month. And then this is this has got to bode well for their chances to get LeBron James to come to town too, right? All those burners. Unless accounts. David, unless David Griffin signs yeah, on as the GM, that, that might, might be perfect. Good. Actually, LeBron would be very pleased. Those burner. I hope those burner accounts continue to tweet defending Brian Colangelo. Well, his wife can do it. This is BS. Yeah, Colangelo was a great GM for the Sixers. Dude, the, we, we we know it's you, dude. BC was fantastic, <laughs> and had and had a great clothesline too. Fantastic wardrobe, a great clo- great clothesline, great clothesline, great great. Well, the, the line about <laughs> wait the, what? <laughs> a his war his wardrobe, his collars. Mm-hmm. The collars thing was the best thing about the whole. The, but like all, all the tweets is saying that someone has a great clothesline. Is that a is that a generational thing? Is that like if you're complimenting someone's wardrobe, yeah. but you say they have a great clothesline? Yeah. Okay. I I just never heard that before. Mm. So the collars were fantastic. They were back off. Back off. <laughs> Back off, BC. <laughs> oh, gosh. I know a lot of wrestlers who had a great clothesline, but... Yeah, that's what I, I thought, think, too. I'm like, yeah, oh, oh, you, you get, oh, you thought I meant I thought like a clothesline like, like you in the day, No, I'm saying like a great line of clothes. Or, no, no, like the, a great wardrobe. The, great. J, the JBL clothesline from hell? Yeah. Where, like, he'd clothesline a guy, and the guy would flip no, in the I'm air twice? No, I'm not talking about that type of clothesline, although who, who knows what or this guy... Or would Jake the Snake Roberts do the little short-arm clothesline where you grab the guy's other arm, bring him in, and then... Knock him over. That was always a very surprising move. Too. And you would set it up for the Look DDT after that. Nothing that yeah. can't go to wrestling. Great I like it. All of a sudden, Damien comes out and oh, <laughs> yeah. he's biting people. It's yeah, bad. exactly. <laughs> Phil yeah. Miller, Star Tribune, tweeted uh, about 15 minutes ago, quote, Paul Molitor isn't at Target Field yet in order to as- attend his son's middle school graduation, but he plans to be here by first pitch. Judd. Your thoughts. <laughs> All right. Now, yesterday, after Molly got done talking to us, he made it clear that uh, is it Derek Shelton was going to 
addressed the media this morning, and we're all like, well, that's sort of weird. The manager's not going to be here, which is not the norm. He's ordinarily there way before the game. And so we were all speculating, I wonder what this means, and uh, did not know until I saw that tweet from Phil. I don't want this to be an anti-Paul rant, because I like Paul. Paul's a nice man. Paul appeared on this show ages ago, incredibly smart baseball guy. I want this to be a rant about graduations. <laughs> and I want this to be a rant about where we need to draw a line, and we need, we need to do it now. And if you want to know why... Little Vic Veramontas had to go home to mommy and daddy's basement. Why Vic soft? This is why kids are soft. What the hell are we doing, people? You graduate from high school, and if you're smart enough, unlike me, you graduate from college. You don't graduate from grade school. You don't graduate from kindergarten. You don't graduate from middle school. You get done with school that day. You say goodbye to your pals. You say, I'll see you all summer when we're going to play ball together, but you don't graduate. Or score ball together. Whatever you do, there's no such thing. (laughs) There's no who fabricated and thought it was a good idea to have kindergarten, middle school, or grade school graduation. I, You know what? When your daughter, David, don't forget, Judd, there's also preschool graduates. Okay, this is, this yeah. is out. As of today, this is out. It's unacceptable. It's why kids are soft. Why are we patting them on the back for doing something that carries, oh. that, that should be ordinary? Don't We're, forget obedient school graduation for the dogs, too. That's true. When, yeah, you get a little diploma. David, I hope that when your child gets to, I don't care, uh, uh, nursery school, kindergarten, eighth grade, when she's about to get done, that you say, honey, first of all, I vehemently disagree with this entire notion that you're graduating from something. You are progressing to the next grade, and therefore daddy is going to go to work, and he won't be there for this stupid bleeping charade so that you can grow up as an actual human being, not some coddled little snot brat who is graduating from something that you're not graduating from. It's not a graduation. (laughs) High school, because you might not go to college, and then college is, when you get out of college, that's fantastic. That's it. That's right, Dan. Siemens looking at me like I'm crazy. But I hope Wonder that you but I hope that your kids I hope that your kids did not actually go through Minnetonka graduation of did any he, sort but high school. Did he know what you were talking about? Or did he just see how he, worked up you were? He seemed Top to know general managers looking through the glass like, what is happening in he there? He seemed to understand what I was talking about. And he's got kids that would have been on the precipice of the start of this silly thing. When I got done with eighth grade. I looked around St. Therese. I'd been there for nine years, and I said, you know what? This has been special. You've been in this eighth grade been, for nine I, years? or you'd... I'd been at St. Therese, okay. I, K through eight. And I had been there for nine years, and I looked around, and I, you know, my buddies and I, I said, I'll see it Benilde, or I won't. It was, it was neat. My parents worked that day, and or my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and I went home and said, Mom, I'm done with eighth grade. Was it, was it weird being in the same building as kindergartners when you were in eighth grade? I always thought that was weird. Where Didn't you really have, see them too much. They were in a different wing of the building. They kind of separated. They yeah. were downstairs. But I was upstairs. How do you feel specifically about the manager of a major league baseball team in desperate need of a win today, not showing up at the ballpark for pregame activities for an eighth grade graduation? <laughs> I, honest- I mean, Paul's got multiple kids, right? I mean, he- well, yeah, because from his first marriage, he had. A daughter, at least. For the record, I'm all for, hey, go celebrate with your family. I just know that this also gets under Judd's skin. When a player misses a game because a child was born, it drives you nuts. No, no, I figured eighth grade graduation would send you even further off the deep end, just from like a player or manager perspective. Please make this clear. When your wife gives birth, if you miss the game when she gives birth, what drives me crazy is when you continue to take time off. 
when you continue to take time, that drives me nuts. I feel like you need another day to celebrate, just to celebrate the graduation from eighth grade, but then Hopefully, you know, bring the family in the next day. I I feel like well, I got to have a grad party, right? Grad party, yep, exactly. Yeah. Honest to God, though, this is got sandwiches. This is sheet cake. The the birth thing I'm not going to win. I've lost that fight. It drives me nuts, but I've lost that fight. This fight I can. This fight I can win. This fight I can win. You don't graduate from anything until high school. I 100% agree with everything you said about celebrating graduations, preschool, kindergarten, fifth grade, eighth grade, whatever it is. But I'm going to be at every single one of them. You got no choice. I mean, yeah, but exactly. draw the line. No, draw the line. I can't. Why not? Because I'll be the only one drawing the line, and then I'll be in trouble. Tell your... This thing is jump the shark, but you got to go with it. When your daughter begins to comprehend, put in her mind from day one, it's a bad idea. Daddy shouldn't be there. And have her go tell mommy, daddy shouldn't be here. I don't want daddy here. I want daddy Dave, working. I think you need to kneel during the ceremony. Protest. <laughs> wow. That's actually brilliant. Draw some attention. You'll never go to the White House if you do that. <laughs> Donnie won't have you. That's a very good point. All Let's right. go to question number two. Paul uh, is expected to be there by first pitch, though. And this was not an anti-Paul rant. This is an anti-graduation rant for things that you don't really graduate. Well, but if it, you know, but if he's if he's on board with the graduation, then I think by sort of by default, no. it is a Paul, anti-Paul rant. <clears throat> by the way, speaking of that, <clears throat> one more. Um, do you think Molitor's aware of what the lineup is today, or he just showed up and said, two catchers? I mean, what? Happening. Are you guys kidding me? Yeah, the lineup The lineup is actually... Is Garver's what, DHing? So really, it's one, it, it's still one catcher, because, come on, Garver, like, barely a catcher. That's true, he's a swinging gate. Uh, yeah, Logan Morrison's back today. But yeah. Garver, Lamar, Adrianza, and Wilson rounds out your batting order. Barrios is going to have to throw a perfect game for the Twins to beat the White Sox today. Good luck. He takes one look at the lineup card. Oh, I shouldn't have gone that graduation. <laughs> <laughs> so, question two then is about that lineup, which you just uh, named off. That lineup versus whoever is the best AAA baseball club at the end of the year. How many times do the Twins win? <laughs> Um, okay, let's let's answer that and get to question three and some other twin stuff when we come back because we Judge Rant uh, sort of filled up that whole segment. Gotta calm there. down, and then and then Roy Smalley will join us around eleven thirty as well. Extended questions, baby. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. I don't want to get any messages on fifteen hundred ESPN. Attention, radio alert. Mackie and Judd now continue on fifteen hundred. ESPN. All right. Let's get the, the second question there again. That's a because I've been studying this lineup. Let's throw it out there again. Roll Dave. through it again quickly. You got your Dozier, Escobar. Dozier, Rosario, Escobar, and then Lomo, Grossman, Garver, Lemare, Adrianza, and Wilson. Lomo, okay. by the way, still one ninety five. Really? Yes, it's Come bad. on. Yeah. Let's go. It's it's June now. Yep. Your bad April is well done. All right. You take that lineup, you put it up against the best team in triple A baseball right now, whoever that is. How many times do the twins win out of ten? Well let's say pitching is equal on each side. Okay. Of the nine batters in the lineup, three of them are performing at a major league caliber or better. Dozier Rosario Escobar. Lomo, Grossman, Garver, Lemaire, Adrianza, and Wilson are all performing at a replaceable slash, like, just put random guy. I mean, these are random guys. Like, Lomo's not a random guy, but he's playing like a random guy. Grossman is kind of back to being random guy. 
But Garver, Lemaire, Adrianza, and Wilson are all literally just like random guys that you could just call up from any team. So if it's the best AAA lineup and you have to assume that there's, let's say, two or three Major League caliber guys, if it's the Houston Astros lineup or whatever their AAA team looks like right now, I would have to say the Twins win three times out of ten. Oh. <laughs> maybe four. Because if you're, if you're saying was, pitching, yeah. pitching is equal, yes, and you're going to give me... I'd have to go look at the AAA lineups, but there are some AAA lineups with major leaguers ready to pop right now with a bunch of Nick Gordons in the lineup. Iowa right? Cubs a couple years back. For sure. Really good. So I would say they three or four times out of ten, they win if pitching is equal. I was going to say four. Okay. Yeah. If you put Barrios against base, a guy of his caliber and you put this just colossal boondoggle out there, I think you win four times. Well, what's the? There's a AAA lineup right now with Vlad Guerrero Jr. Oh, right? that Blue Jay, yeah, yes. that's really good. So, yes. exactly, yeah. Syracuse, I think. I don't even care who the other eight guys are on that lineup. <laughs> He'd be the best hitter. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I'll give you Escobar and Rosario because they're established. But yeah, final question. Now humans compete. We like rankings. Phil and Judd rank them on fifteen hundred ESPN. Let's quickly revisit Charles Barkley from last night. Casey. I've never seen a team that dumb in my life. Referring to the Cleveland Cavaliers, and of course, a couple months ago. Well, let me just say this one thing about the, the Minnesota Timberwolves. <laughs> they got to be one of the dumbest teams I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so let's stick with just the Minnesota teams. Whoever you want, boys, give me a rank them, starting with the smartest team, working your way to the dumbest. All right, I rank seven for you. Woo! Starting with the smartest team, despite the fact they're off to a very bad start this season, they have won multiple championships, and not many teams in this town do that. The Lynx are number one. I did include the Lynx. Hope you're all happy. Number two, the Vikings. The Vikings yeah. have been pretty huh. smart. They won 13 games. They've got a good head coach. They play very good defense. They're improving offense. They don't do... They've done stupid things previously, but not of late. Vikings number two. Uh, now it got difficult. Now it got very tough. I'm actually going to put, as far as not being stupid, the wild third. Boudreaux's a good coach. They do some dumb things, but he's a good coach. I don't fault him. I think I think to fall down that this list, it at least has to be blamed um, partially, if not more, on coaching. Number four, the way things are going right now, the Twins. Now here's the weird thing. 2016, stupid. 2017, wow, that's a lot better. 2018, stupid again. So they're number four. Number five, the Wolves. I mean, come on. It's a three-point league, and you're shooting long twos, and you're happy about it. Number six, go for basketball based on last year, and especially Jelly Bean, who is an incredible... I mean, come on, dude. I know you're a freshman, but... It's it's Jelly Fam. Whatever he is. Just learn how to play basketball. (laughs) Get Jelly Bean, too. Why not? And number seven, just because they're going to stay here until things change, go for football. Lifetime achievement, though. That's a lifetime achievement. So, Lynx, Vikings, Wild, Twins, Wolves, go for hoops and go for football. Wow, okay. I left, I left the college teams off because I wasn't going to call a bunch of college kids dumb. But, you, I mean, I, I agree on... I, I, Isaiah Washington, I'm not saying he's dumb. I just want him to not have to do, like, the layup thing. Just <laughs> just lay the ball yeah, in. That's good. <laughs> I like that. Just get rid of that before the layups, and you'll be fine. I thought about putting Minnesota United on here, but I don't know enough about them to say whether they are the dumbest or the smartest team. They're an expansion team. I don't, so I, I don't know. I left them off. So I ranked five teams. I'll go from smartest to dumbest on this list. The Lynx are the smartest. Off to a slow start, like you said, but they're the smartest. Our lists are going to be kind of similar here. Uh, the Vikings, I think 
defensively one of the smartest units in the NFL. Uh, they've got a lot of smart skill position players and a very smart quarterback here. So coaching staff, it's actually probably one of the smarter teams in the NFL, you could argue. Number three, wild. Yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that you watch them and think, man, a bunch of dumb mistakes tonight. There are players like Matt Dumba who <laughs> will make mistakes. Mm-hmm. But then we get to these two teams. The second dumbest team in the market, the Twins. Just base running mistakes and mental errors and, I don't know, pitching gaffes and stuff. There's a lot going on there. And then, on top of it, you've got these young hitters who can't figure out how to hit major league pitching now, a thousand at-bats into their careers. So there's, it's, not, it's not a physical thing with Sano or with Buxton. Like they, can, they both have proven that they can play baseball and hit. They just, I don't know, they can't figure out how to lay off a slider. Right. So, and by far, the single dumbest team, and I agree with Charles Barkley, the team that in a three-point barrage era pulls up from 22 feet hand in their face more than anyone in the NBA <laughs> and has a defensive-minded coach lauded for his legendary defensive prowess with Boston mm-hmm. and and with Chicago and their bottom five in defensive net rating. It's the Timberwolves. And they're right? looking for wings now. Yes. Clearly. We're looking to add wings. Uh, yes. And and yeah, add Derrick Rose and say, all right, Derrick, you're going to shoot 15 <laughs> times a game now, five years after your last relevant season. It's 2009, Derrick. Just act like it's 2009. So Wolves in a category by themselves, and then the Twins are kind of close. And I, those are probably the only two teams I would say right now that that really lack intelligence. All right, there's more more to this Colangelo story. Okay. Yeah, David Aldridge reporting from TNT mm-hmm. that. So if you missed it, Brian Colangelo has been fired slash he was forced to resign by the 76ers for burner account gate. And a statement from the Sixers says that while Colangelo did not know about the burner accounts set up by his wife, so he admitted to having two burner accounts, and then there were three other ones in question that gave out even more proprietary health-related information and stuff. And, and those were the accounts that were linked to his wife's phone number and email, he said he didn't know about those three burner accounts set up by his wife. He did not send tweets from the accounts. And uh, a, a, a firm concluded that that uh, Brian was careless and in some instances reckless guarding team-related information. So do you, do you buy two things? A, do you buy that he had zero knowledge about the three burner Twitter accounts that his wife was running, defending him and putting out very sensitive information about the Philadelphia 76ers? And B, if he didn't know about it, is it still justified that he got fired? Um, A, no. I think he, he knew. knew. I think he knew exactly he knew. what was going on there. I think he knew what she was doing. I think they teamed up. Uh, but even and if he see when will their marriage end? But even <laughs> if he didn't know about it, he still should be fired because you can't trust him. Because if you don't, if if he keeps his job. And you determined that he had no clue about this. Are you going to say, okay, you've got to get divorced? Are you going to tell him, hey, Brian, you can't tell your wife a thing? I mean, you can't trust it, right? So, no, I think he, I think he knew, but even if he didn't know, he had to be fired. He had to be. But So can you get fired then? This is where it gets complicated. So let's say there's information about, a player, health-related information, okay? The, the, the public can't know about this, but 
man, we have to make a big decision on Joel Embiid or Nerlens Noel, and there's this knee thing, and you know, you're confiding in the people that you know and love the most. You confide in your wife and say, yeah, I just got this big decision at work. I got to figure out what to do. Joel Embiid can't stay on the court, and here's why, blah, 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 blah. Sure. And, you know, you're not, you shouldn't be expected to withhold everything from your job from the people that are closest to you, right? But then she goes rogue and starts, let's, let's say that he didn't know about the accounts. Yep. Like, all you're doing is confiding in private in your wife, and then she's taking that proprietary information, and she's spreading it out through these burner Twitter accounts. Except you're telling her a ton. This is why when... when He's supposed to withhold stuff? This is why when Don says, how was your day, I say, good. It was fine. How about yours? <laughs> how about your day? And she says, good. This is, this is so why... So you don't, you don't have any conversation about anything that happens in detail ever at work? Like, are there things that you would never tell the public there are or vice th- versa there for are her things in, there are that things, you talk to each other about? There are personal things in my life that I do, but work-wise, I don't tell her much and vice versa because I really don't want to hear that much and she doesn't either. <laughs> but like, you, like if I'm like... But you are in a loving... Like, I know, but quarter if, century okay, marriage. Okay, but if there's a funny Roycey story, I'll tell her. Okay, but if there was like proprietary hey, information, <laughs> but if there was proprietary information about something, I mean, why would you tell her? She doesn't need to know that. Well, like just to get thoughts to bounce some stuff off someone that you respect and that you love that you've chosen to oh, share your life with. Sure, but but that would be about me. The proprietary information about people I work with isn't really, but almost certainly, okay, let's say for I'm, the most part, is not going to weigh, weigh into what's going on with me if I say I'm thinking about this or that. Okay. Let's say that... Like, Joel uh, Embiid's health doesn't have a thing to do with a thing to... to well, of course it does. Colangelo's wife. If, but So his job, re- his job revolves around essentially organizing rosters and building a team, and if... A critical piece to his job, right. which is organizing this roster, is in, is in question, and he's looking at his wife saying, "I got to, we got to figure out what." Think to of do it this with- way, though: you you would sit if you had his job, you would sit with with fellow executives all day long hashing this out. Right? It's all very important to the the future of this franchise. So you would be talking about it all day long. The last thing on earth I would want to do is get home and be like, yeah, you know, this Embiid thing, honey, what do you think about this? Here's his medical history, sweetheart. What do you think about? I would, aren't you just tired of work by, by the time you get, I want to talk about anything. Well, I, I, I think I think there's a difference between being tired with work and then just having zero discussions with someone well, that you love and respect about something reason, that's important in your life. One reason I love Dawn. Am I, who's right on this, Dave? One reason I love Dawn is she doesn't want to hear a ton about sports. Like, like if I got home and my One wife reason I love my wife is she doesn't want to interact with me and or make I, eye contact. And I, I think that, the phrase, how was your day, isn't uttered very much in the Zolgat house, is it? <laughs> Oh, I say that all the time. How'd work go? But I don't want to hear a play-by-play. It went. You just fine. want to hear fine, and we it can move on. Went fine. Give me three words. <laughs> but if I, how if, do you connect with each if other? If Don opened the door and said, "How about the Twins game last night?" I mean, the snow thing. Let's talk about it. I'd go to my roof and jump off. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I just wrote about it. I just talked to people about it. I love doing this show, but the last thing I want to do is continue this show. Four hours right, is long would, enough. Would you pull up your column from the website and just say, here, read this. It's all you need to know. If she was Zolgad, huge... colon, uh, whatever the, the subhead, colon. Big liability. Yes, colon. big liability. It was a double colon headline. I found this, this fascinating. Okay, hold on. Intermax. Intermax. Intermax has a girlfriend. Yes. Do you talk to your girlfriend? <clears throat> this is a new internship for you. You're in college, and yeah. you're going down this sports media path. Do you talk to your girlfriend 
about your new internship or potential like career chess moves that you may be making? Or do you just not? Would you rather she not ask you? No, we, we talk about it all the time. Absolutely. I think he means I listen. I don't do a whole lot of talking. And in Max, at Max's age, I was totally different. We always talked about work and about future plans and dreams. I'm 48 years old. <laughs> there, are, there is no like big future plan or dream from work here, and I don't want to talk about sports there's no, anymore. No, there's no more. There's, this is, well, this, I mean, this is it? There, there's future <laughs> plans and dreams for our life together, but as far as work goes, I've been married for 25 years. The last thing I want to do is ever throw open the damn door and say, you see that past Dumbledore? You no. can speculate on new co-hosts. Well, no, no one's, I don't think, I don't think, okay, the, the way you're viewing this is funny. You think we're talking about the game that you watched last night. Right. No, this is about, you know, we're, you know what, what does, to go back to Colangelo. Yep. Man, I've got this like thing that I've been sweating at work. Not, man, can you believe that? Okay. If there's the one, wild loss last night, it, and honey. I see what you're saying. If there's one thing to talk about, but back to back to what I was saying before. If it involves me and something go, going on here, I talked to Don about that. But the last thing I would do is, is if I oversaw people, would be to take a file home or something and be like, this Embiid thing's got me. You know what? I've been talking to people all day long, my fellow executives, and now I'd like to bounce it off of you, sweetheart. All right. I think that's a very <laughs> odd thing. <laughs> the dynamic is, I'm trying to envision like Judd coming and just hoping that even his wife doesn't ask him any personal questions. I wanna, just, let's just be quiet. No, I just, just wanna, I'll drink a beer. You drink a wine. Just, <laughs> be quiet. That's called Friday Night at the Zolgan House. You got a problem with <laughs> no, it? No, I don't. And I then don't. we barbecue too. Uh, Roy Smalley, she when we come grill. back. You know, oh man. We've got this TCL TV here. It's a 55-inch TCL 4K Roku TV. And uh, actually, I got an email from somebody last night saying, hey, you, you talk about all the connected options. You know, what's kind of the what's your what's your read on TVs and and uh, and sort of the the landscape right now of cable versus connectivity? There's a lot of choices right now. Well, there are a million choices for content. That's why you want a TV like TCL and the P series. that's getting rave reviews across multiple publications. You want something that allows you the ability to subscribe to or to connect to whatever it is, whether it's your cable or satellite package, or if it's Amazon TV or Hulu or YouTube, um, any uh, any individual online streaming brands. Like for me, it's WWE Network. You get access to all of these in one place. Menu one and menu two is how I would describe it. With no additional cords, you don't. You've got the built-in Roku device. You don't have any cords, nothing like that. Phil Mackey, Judd Zogad. You dudes are beacons. Of radio perfection. Mackie and Judd. I, I love you guys. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now. Now. With former twins great turned FSN analyst Roy Smalley. He got him. To the fringe twice for Santiago and Sano is in total disbelief. Jose reaches out to get it and it's deflected and incomplete. Two on, nobody out. Abreu rolls it to Adrianza and gets a base out of it. All right, Twins, uh, we're looking to get a, uh, Roy Smalley is our weekly guest. We're looking to to track him down here just in just a minute. But Twins trying to salvage the series against the White Sox, although already losing a couple games is they just they've got to dominate this division. 
the the bad teams in the division specifically, and then hold their own against the Indians if they want to be there in the end. But they're back to what six games below five hundred. Yep. And and the more they hover in this range, and and they're not in range of a wild card spot right now. Uh, as you start to get toward middle of June, end of June, you got to start thinking about buying or selling. What was the date, or what what was the um, stretch of games that you said? That you were going to make a decision after was it after the White Sox series or was it? An, it was another pretty much series? after the White Sox series. Okay. So I don't know. This is they were so good against the Indians, and actually I think I included the whole homestand. So okay. it was like ten days. Angels then as well yeah, for so, the last three games. So if, if they right. pick it up, not that if they take two out of three, they're in, and if they don't, they're out. I'm just saying, like you'll you'll sort of know based on the landscape and the wild card teams if you're if you're in right now they're sellers I absolute hope, sellers right now i really hope that Cle- uh, cleveland in the very near future goes out and gets bullpen help to so that the twins have the absolute clarity that they need to sell because yeah. if cleveland hits the gas pedal it makes it very easy then for it's you. done then it's done but my my issue is if they don't do that you're going to have this well we're still sort of going to hang around and we're going to hang around and and in a lot of ways, as we see the season progress, I think that's the worst thing that could happen to this team because by the game or series, and there's there's certain series where they do pop up, but more and more I'm saying to myself, you know what, sell off. Yeah. Well, if you're going to trade, if you know, if Dozier's not coming back, which I don't think he is, trade them all. And those and those trades usually don't start to take place until July anyway, so they they do have a few weeks to play with sure. here. Uh, just to see what's going on, but uh, Roy Smalley, we got you, Roy. What's going on? <laughs> I uh, apologize for uh, being just a little tardy here. Oh today. no, 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 don't worry at all. Uh, I, I want to ask you about. I don't know how much we've talked about this guy, and this is kind of a testament to how valuable he's been under the radar. But when the Twins traded for Eduardo Escobar and that Francisco Liriano trade a number of years ago, this is a guy who, at various levels of the minor leagues, was. Yeah, kind of a two sixty hitter without a lot of power. Like he played, he played a hundred ninety games between AAA and a foreign league in two thousand eleven, and hit five home runs. Got on base with a three oh nine clip, and he's just become this monstrous hitter who leads the league in doubles. He can hit to all fields. What have you seen in Eduardo Escobar's evolution as a hitter that has brought him to this point? Well, I really can't imagine that anybody, at least of all the White Sox, believed that he would turn into the hitter that he has, has become. Yeah. Uh, and um, it's, it's really kind of hard for me to understand where it, where it comes from. It doesn't uh, – I, I love his low ball hit and swing. I mean, it, it, what he's learned to do is, is lay off you know, pitches above the belt that he, that he doesn't handle – uh, well, and uh, force the pitcher to throw the ball, you know, bolt, you know, bell hot belt to mid shin high, and he he rakes those, and he's got some of the best leg drive from his back leg against his front leg at contact uh, of of anybody um, really that that there is. I mean, he's exemplary leg drive action for for a hitter. So I think the result is pound for pound, he's got as much powers anybody in baseball when, when it comes to miguel uh roy we, we've certainly talked about his uh, struggles before his difficulties so here's my question now what do you do here I, I mean he's got two options left so he could be, be sent down 
But just this stretch of uh, 12 games or so that he's played since coming off the DL, I think it's gotten to the point now at the plate where it's almost he's almost unplayable and, and he's not going to start today. What do you do? I, I don't know what you what you do. What we've talked about before that uh, you know, when there's something drastic, that, a change that a uh, hitter uh, needs to make, and I, I, I personally believe there, you know, there is, uh, at least in a mindset, if not uh, mechanics as well. You, you kind of, with a guy that's had that kind of success his whole life, you kind of got to hit rock bottom, I think, and say, okay, uh, I, I, uh, I understand. I've got to do something. I've got to do something different. So I don't know what I don't know what you do. I, I really don't. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's go to AAA and figure this out, or if it's okay. Uh, you have to commit to this kind of this kind of approach up here, and we'll wait. You know, we'll wait for it. But you got to show us that you're. You know that you're trying to that you're trying to do that because I, I I I have to believe they're they're a bit they're a bit worried at this point. And Roy, as a guy who played for a long time too, what's the level of concern or or frustration? Because if you tell him, okay, we're going to continue to play play you and ho- hope you get through this, the one thing that I would be so- somewhat concerned about is that guys in the clubhouse start to say, why? So is there, do, do you think that there's a certain point, too, where it gets to be a detriment to continue to play him because because his teammates start to question why he is still getting so many opportunities? Yeah, I think there's some of that. I think the, whole, the clubhouse knows uh, in the heart of hearts that uh, they really need this guy, right? I mean, that, and I mean, they've seen... What he can do, how devastating he is when he's going well, and and uh, when he's in a streak where he's the run producer that he is, and and I think everybody looks around at that lineup. I mean, looks at the lineup every day and says, "Yeah, I mean, if we don't have him, you know, it, then it everything looks everything's different. We we really need him, but they need him to be productive, not you know, to your point, uh, not uh, not a um, a constant uh, out. So. Um, there, there would be some of that. There would be, uh, I, I think it's a mixed bag for, for his teammates. I think they desperately want him to get going. And at some point in time, they're saying, you know, are we, you know, are we trying to win games or, you know, what are we doing here? Yeah. Roy Smalley with us here, Fox Sports North, Mackie and Judd. We're talking twins. Uh, Jake Odorizzi didn't pull any punches after the game. He was mad about, uh, or he was just frustrated, I guess, with the, the unmade play that uh, you got a ground ball that ordinarily, if, if an infield is playing straight up, is a double play, and because of the shift, it wasn't, and he made that known after the game. Where do you stand? Are, are teams a little too aggressive shifting with men on base sometimes, or is it just, hey, this, sometimes this is going to happen, but it takes away more base hits in the long run, so you have to stick with it? I, I really believe it's the latter. Uh, it, it, you, you can't play everywhere. You know, you know, I mean, it'd be nice to say you can play everywhere. Here's the problem with, here's the problem with, with, with pitchers' outlook on, on this deal most of the time. It, if, they, if you just play everybody uh, where the shortstop, for example, has been playing for 150 years all the time, then a ball's hit up the middle, a guy hits the ball up the middle, you know, 97% of the time, and, or hits the ball in the hole on the ground 97% of the time, but you don't play there. You play straight up, and then the ball goes up the middle where you figure it probably would, or it goes in the hole. And the pitcher said, "Hey, what can I tell you? You know, it was just—it was just well. It was just 
you know, he just hit it, yeah. you know, in the hole, or he just hit it up the middle. I mean, there's kind of a built-in, and I'm not saying this about about Jake. I I understand the the frustration there. I really do. He got a ground ball to the shortstop in a big situation, and could have been out of the inning had they not been been shifted. So, but I just think it's easier to say, why don't we just play straight up? And then everybody shrugs their shoulders, and you know, if he hits the ball in the hole where he's apt to hit it the, the great preponderance of the time, everybody just shrugs and says, well, you know, it's just one of those perfectly placed balls in the hole that's the base hit for 150 years. And what, what people are saying now is that's not good enough. If we know he's going to hit it there a majority of the time, why don't we play over there? And we know that there are going to be some age-old tailor-made double play balls that we don't get to. But why, do, why are we going to settle for the shrugging on the shoulders and say, hey, it was just a... It was just a well-placed ball in the hole where he's hit the last 15 well-placed balls, you know? It, it, that's, that's a tough deal. Am I correct to be astounded, frustrated, and maddened somewhat by the fact that when Adrianza hit that shot to center field, uh, Mitch Garver, Roy, who was standing on second base, was only standing on third by the time the ball got back into the infield last yeah, night? No, you have to score in that ball. Okay. You, absolutely have to, you absolutely have to score in the ball, and you have to run it where... You, you get off of second base far enough so that if the guy makes a miraculous catch, uh, look, the guy was turned around with his back to the infield and was running full speed. It's, it, it, you can be halfway to third. If he catches the ball going that hard away from home plate, you can get back and, and tag up and get to third base. But, but in a situation like that, you, if the ball drops, you must score. You must be in a position where you have to read what kind of play the center fielder would have to make to, to make the catch, and you have to say, the odds are against that. I'm going to be in position to score, and then if he makes a miraculous catch, I'll get back and, and tag up and get over to third. Third base was not important there. Home plate was important. Yeah. What are some, I think it was shared on the broadcast, I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it might have been you who. I don't know. Some I heard this on one of the broadcasts that Eduardo Escobar is able to look like he knows out of the batter's box. He's such a great base runner. He knows out of the batter's box um, that if a if a left fielder is going to his backhand or you know whatever it may be, he kind of knows how many steps extra he can get going towards second base, trying to stretch into a double. What are like what are some little things like that? If you're just a fan watching the game, where Okay, hitters are paying full attention to this, or base runners, or they should be, and it's not something that maybe the the casual fan would notice. The most important thing to know about how, uh, Eduardo Escobar is that um, every time he hits the ball in the outfield, it's a double in his mind right away from home plate. I mean, he would rather hit a double than uh, than eat lunch for a week, <laughs> and, and so. Um, when he hits the ball anywhere down the line or in the gap, uh, it, he's running for second base on his first step out of the batter's box. And then he re and he's go, he goes around first base as if he's going to second. And he lets what the outfielder does or doesn't do dictate whether or not he continues. His, those in between uh, base hits that he runs into doubles are made out of the batter's box and his mindset saying, I'm, I'm going to second. And he really believes it. And the second and the outfielder would, and of course you're reading, if it's a, if it's a left-hander going, you know, left-handed thrower going to the line or a right-hand thrower going in left center, let's say, 
then that just that just ups the ante for him. He just he feels like she, then the the odds are even more in his favor. So he's reading the outfielders. He's reading what's possible. He's reading about where he is on his way to second base when the outfielders get into the ball. But the the most important thing is that he's never met. He's never hit a single. He's he only hits doubles that someone that someone stops him from going for second at some point. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's been he's become really fun to watch. Roy, great stuff. We'll Thanks, talk Roy. to you next week, man. All right, see you. Bye. Roy Smalley from Fox Sports North. Yeah, Escobar has twenty four doubles, leads the major leagues with twenty four doubles. And not all of those are like down the line to the wall. No, he a lot takes of those are just like times, Roy, yeah, right? in the gap. Yep. So he has sixty hits on the season. He actually has more extra base hits than singles so far because he's eleven home runs. So he has thirty five extra base hits and twenty five singles so far mm-hmm. this year. And this is a dude. He was just kind of a he was twenty three year old utility guy when the Twins got him in that trade for Francisco Liriano, take a flyer on him, you know, low batting average, not much of a bat, but he could play different positions and and now he's your man. everyday third baseman because the guy that played there before can't play there anymore. Exactly, Mackey and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Let's just say that it could cause Molly to start smoking. Mackey and Judd on fifteen hundred ESPN. Think you know who will win the U.S. Open? Prove it. By signing up for 1500 ESPN's Majors Fantasy Golf Challenge, or just log in and make your picks if you've already signed up. Select your players from the featured groups, watch that field unfold, and correctly choosing your players could win you a golf trip for four to Cragen's. Make your pick uh, picks before 4.55 a.m. Thursday, June 14th. To be entered, head to 1500ESPN.com to sign up. Thank you, Dave. We're going to talk football with Matthew Collar at noon. Actually, ESPN.com has the, it's the annual Mike Sando pulls all of these anonymous executives and then they all talk about each other's teams and the moves that they made in the offseason. So you'll get like Dallas Cowboys executive, but un, unnamed and the team stripped away, ripping on the Vikings. And There's it's some like, good it's Viking great. stuff, though. It's great. We'll get to that mm-hmm. with Collar. But let me, we've been ripping on Miguel Sano, rightfully so. Like he's, the guy has the highest strikeout rate in baseball history. He's really giving you nothing at the plate or in the field, and he's 25 years old. It's it's time to go here. This is kind of an apples to, to oranges comparison, but when Justin Morneau was 25 years old, and he had, he'd been up for a few years, and I would argue he had more success at the plate in his first two or three years going into this 06 season than Miguel has, but... And Morneau was also a really good defensive first baseman, so no, we don't know what position he plays, but... Um, Morno's fourth partial season, which is where Sano's at right now, he was batting just over 200 in May. And the power wasn't, he had a couple home runs here and there. It wasn't striking out as often as Sano, but he was just meh. And he was, he, there was a point even in early June where he was batting in the 230s, June 8th, he's batting 235 on base percentage below 300. And the, the Twins had just lost like five or six games in a row, and they were buried in the standings like 10 games back at Detroit. Mm-hmm. And that may have been the moment where Torrey Hunter tried to punch him in the face in the clubhouse. And, and like Punto and Stad or something. And Morno went on to fulfill his potential until the concussion won the MVP award later that year. I don't know if there needs to be a moment. I don't know if like Torrey Hunter needs well, to come and take a swing at Sano, but 
but that is an example of a guy who looked like, man, he's just not going to live up to it, and all of a sudden the switch flipped and sure. boom. But then the question becomes. But then the question becomes this: what What's going to be the moment where Sano realizes something is incredibly wrong, and he wants to work on it? And and just as importantly, who's going to get to him? Like who who in that clubhouse? Whether it be a coach or preferably a player, I guess who's going to get to him? It doesn't. To to Scoggins' point, and I, I think you, you agree with this as well, Phil. It doesn't appear in watching him. Um, now, no, we're, we're certainly not not with him all the time. But when you watch Miguel Sano on a regular basis, it doesn't appear that anyone's getting through to him. And I don't even know that he gets the gravity of of what Roy said. And I agree with this is basically rock bottom. What, what's yeah. worse from here? Just not playing like today, I guess. Yeah. But this is this, if you don't get it now, you're never going to get it. And and on the moral front, and this is why it's you know it's a little apples to oranges for a lot of reasons. But we put so much stock as the narrative has been told, and Tory Hunter and Guardy were the ones that you know that sparked Morno and snapped him out of it. Morno also had a ton of professional pride, and and I'm sure he he was definitely like that in his prime, but. It wasn't like Morno was aloof and out of shape. You know, he was he was a pro even before he was a pro, and was a very prideful guy. And I think for him, there was a certain embarrassment looking up at the batting average updates at the, at the Metrodome at the time, seeing something in the low two hundreds, and it's his fourth year in the big league. I sense and, more of Buxton there because Buxton Buxton has a lot of pride. Buxton cares deeply, and it's disturbing to, to see how bad that things have gone. But if Buxton if Buxton comes back and turns things around, I'm not I'm not going to be surprised. In Sano's case, I don't know that that's there. Six five one six four six eight two five five. Hey, Will, you're on the show. Hey, uh, to me, the, you know, the, and I think you're just saying this. The big difference between Morno and Sano is that Sano just I think it's a lot in his head. You know, he hasn't decided that he wants to work hard yet, and he, he's not there mentally. Where Morno. You know, from from all accounts, I think he was a hard worker. He, his head was straight. He just wasn't having the success yet. Maybe hadn't had enough at bat. You know, but with Sano, I think it's so much more mental and with work ethic. And I think the last segment when you're talking to Smalley, you mentioned you know guys in the clubhouse getting upset. And I think with Buxton, I think guys in the clubhouse are going to be much more okay with him being in the lineup, struggling. Agreed. Whereas with Sano, they're going to say, hey, what the heck? This guy, he doesn't work hard. He's bringing McDonald's bags into the clubhouse. Why does he get to be in the line? You know, if you're you know, a utility infielder working your tail off every day, why does this overweight guy get to come here, be lazy, not produce, and then get in the lineup instead of me? To me, that's where you're going to have issues in the clubhouse. Yeah. Whereas you know, a guy like Buxton or Morno who work hard, teammates are going to say, hey, you know, let, let, let them have a little time and figure it out. Yeah, Will, I agree. If if I were a teammate of Miguel Sano's in that clubhouse, I would be very, very, I don't know. I'd be annoyed at best, yes. put it that way. I'd I, be annoyed at best. If I was pouring everything and I didn't have near the talent that he did. If, if, I'm, if I'm a guy with a third the talent but five times the work ethic, I would look over there and be like, dude, yeah. come on now. Well, you you don't seem to care. I mean, his weight alone says that. With Buxton, he works hard. It's mental. With Sano, it's a question of of looking at a guy who was playing third base, and now and now he has to play first base, and that's based on one thing. It's based mm-hmm. on the fact he's fat. Yep. 
All right, what are other NFL executives anonymously saying about the Vikings offseason? We're going to get into that with Matthew Collard when we come back. And if you missed our weekly scoop session with Doogie, we're going to play that back in the noon hour, too. So uh, stay tuned. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. And you know what they need? Tweaks. 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 On 1500 ESPN.